Hey, podcast listeners, thanks for tuning in. It's been a while since I've done a boardroom podcast, but I'm back on schedule. I've got some great stuff in the works here, so be sure to tune in every two weeks for a new boardroom podcast coming your way. Of note, the boardroom surfboard show is taking place in the year 2021 on October 9th and 10th at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. October 9th and 10th, we're back, the boardroom surfboard show honoring Pat Rawson and brought to you by U.S. Blanks. The California Gold Surf Auction takes place April 16th. That's a Friday, 5 p.m. is when the lots begin to close. Golden Guns and Wicked Wood, the theme of the April California Gold Surf Auction. Check us out on Instagram, California Gold Surf Auction. I've known Devin Howard for close to three decades. I've surfed with him, shared waves. We've shared laughs. We've shared some tumultuous times as well. We've shared ideas about surfboard design. And we've also shared personal stuff about our families and about the challenges of surfing in a crowded California lineup. And in this podcast, we touch on a lot of these points of interest and much more. The Boardroom Podcast with Devin Howard. Let us begin. Good afternoon. You know what, Devin? Welcome to the Boardroom Podcast. Devin Howard, my guest, Scott Bass with you. Devin, it's good to see you. You too. It was uh, nice to have no warning, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, we're winging it. I just drove up to Santa Barbara to see some people and um, to come by Channel Island Surfboards, and you were kind enough to say, hey, yeah, let's chat, and I appreciate it. So thanks for the coffee, and here we sit chatting. <laughs> You're welcome. It's nice to see you as well, and um, I'm sorry we didn't have better coffee, but the coffee made will do. It'll give you that little kick in the afternoon to keep that energy flow. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. It's not bad coffee. <laughs> it's, um, it's It did what it needed to do, you know. Let me ask you a couple things. First of all, congratulations. You're a new father. Thank you. This is a whole new chapter in your life. It is. This is incredible. Yeah. Uh, very late to the game. Um 47 and two months. So I thought maybe I'd miss the boat, but, uh, luckily found someone a lot younger than I am. All the parts are working and, uh, we produced a beautiful son. His name is Rex Patrick. That's He's, cool. Uh, six weeks old as of yesterday. Radical. Yeah. Six weeks old. So this is obviously like, you know, this is a whole new chapter in your life, right? It's a whole new chapter in your in your relationship with your wife, right? Mm -hmm. There's going to be some wonderful times. There's going to be some trying times. I'm going to give you some unsolicited advice. Okay, let's okay? have it. When you, what you're trying to achieve is 100% um, serenity within your relationship. 100%, this thing works to 100%. And in order to do that, you need to give 75% and your wife needs to give 75% and you will get to 150%. So if you each give 75, you'll get to 100. So are you telling me there's such a thing as more than 100%? I don't know. I think what I just said doesn't make sense, actually. Somebody told me this once, but it was a long time ago. And I, I kind of butchered it. But. Yeah. No, I, I will take any advice. We've gotten lots of advice about... Um, 
you know, most it's weird. A lot of people will jump to the negative stuff. So hearing the positive is good. People are like, oh, you're not going to sleep and your life's ruined or, you know, your, your wife's going to be blown out. Like all this just like really gnarly negative graphic stuff. And I was always like, wow. And so it's nice to have some good advice. Yeah, and, no, this is and, the greatest <laughs> thing that's ever happened to you and your wife. Are you kidding me? It really is. And um, I think there's an, an, I guess, what seems to be in only six short weeks, the advantage to being an old older person having a child is I'm not anxious about anything. Just like that time and that moment. Anything Caitlin needs help with, I'm not thinking like, man, I really wish I was surfing. It's like, well, I've been surfing for four decades. Yeah. Like this is an incredible opportunity to yeah. be able to do this. And um, strangely enough, like any any little weird bobbles, we like, you know, I'm changing a diaper and just like a bunch of, you know, what's coming out. Right. And like it gets on you. And, right. you're, and I'm like, I just started laughing. Because yeah. I'm like, I'm not upset. Like, Hey, we're just, we're here to help this little guy out. And, and any little baubles that come up, we're, I don't know. We're just finding joy in all this stuff. I know that sounds weird. No, I, look, I, I, the poop that comes out of your baby <laughs> is as pure as the driven snow. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're loving life. And, um, the one bit of advice that I'm grabbed onto a few people have said, and of course, it sounds like a cliche. Time flies. Yeah. But they said no. They looked at me and stopped me. L- no, it literally flies. So all those moments of holding your baby in your arm, every second of it, just really be there and enjoy it. Because before you know it, they're going to be yelling at you for a piece of candy or telling you to shut the f up. And I was like, wow, okay, good advice. You know what? I just need to second that advice, and it is so cliche, and it is so like horrendously lame sounding. But it is so true. And this is why everyone wants grandkids because they realize they screwed up at the, be- the first time around. They didn't hold their baby and cherish it. And so now they're like, God, I hope my kids have grandkids soon so I can – because now we know. We're like, oh, shit. You know what? I handed my kid off to my wife and waxed my board. You know? I wish this guy would go to sleep. Go yeah. back to sleep. Right. So um, I do think that that – and if there's anyone listening that hasn't had children, that's the one bit of advice that really sunk in for both – of us and even brought my wife to tears in a good way. I told her, I'm like, Hey, so, you know, Josiah told us this advice, you know, he's got a 14 year old and he's like, sometimes I wish I could just be sitting there in the rocking chair, holding him at a couple months old. And she just got all teary eyed because, you know, you do that still. There's all those hormones that are oh, for sure. just like racing the other way for her now. For me. Are you kidding? <laughs> I cry. I'm crying. This is good. And you know what also is true is that – and this is really sounding like a boring podcast already. Probably. However, However, what also is true is that at each stage during your child's growth – there are going to be great moments that are going to bring a lot of clarity to you. And, and not just when you're holding your child when it's a young infant, but as you move through, it's just a great, it's a, it's a whole new chapter, a whole new level. You're now playing like five dimensional chess, you know, before <laughs> it was just like you and the checkerboard and now it's like a whole different level. Yeah. And the, one of the moves in there and people always like poo poo this is I have this deep, wish and desire that he will like the ocean like I do because my wife likes the ocean. And so when your partner, you know, you're going the same direction. So what are we doing on the weekend? We're going to go to the beach, but if he's into something else, well, we'll see what happens. But that, 
I can't help but think that would be really nice if he likes to go to the beach. Like I know like your son, you know, over the years I saw him involved. I'm like, Oh, that's pretty cool. You know, yeah. that you guys can share that. Yeah. I'm sure it'll happen. And here's some more advice that you didn't ask for. When you go to the beach, tell him that he can't go. <laughs> and he'll he'll absolutely want to go. Really? Okay. Yeah. It's when you force it on him that they're like, no, nah, I'm cool. But when you're like, you know what? I'm going to go have fun at the beach and you're not allowed to come along. They're like, come on, man. Let me go. You got to go reverse psychology. On. I like that. Yeah. Okay. So Devin Howard, so what's your role here at Channel Island Surfboard? What's your official title? Do you have a business card? I don't have a business card. I think it's loosely, I'm referred to as a marketing director. I just sort of fell into the marketing guy. Okay. You're the marketing yeah. guy. All right. <laughs> Cool. Well, um, it seems like it's going good, right? I heard today through the grapevine that the Devon Howard Channel Islands, do you C. call I, it a round board? CI round board? CI mid. CI mid. Which is, is like contra- the best selling, it's, it's, it's like the best selling board right now. It's, it's done very, it's done very, very well. Yeah. yeah. And, um, the name itself is, a, is apparently controversial to a couple people who don't like the term mid length. There's a whole deep thing there. I don't know if you and David or anyone's talking about it I would like to talk before, about this. But I don't know about this. So um, a few folks listening may, may be already aware, but for those that are not, um, there's a category of surfboards called mid-length. And to purists, like a, a Joel Tudor, it drives them insane. Joel hates the term mid-length. And he's made it very well known to me. So, you know referred to me as being a kook for calling it that and all that sort of stuff. And he gets like, I mean, he gets like PO'd at it and does posts on it and whatnot. So the board is right here in the room we're in. It's on the lower left there. Yes. And it's just, it, you it, know what? It looks between a short board and a long board. It looks like it's mid length. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> How about some basic? Yeah. <laughs> so he, Joel will say that, call it what it is. That's an egg. And, and it's like, man, I, it's funny how that's a horrible term for a surfboard. <laughs> it's funny how, <laughs> but it's like, we think, I always find it interesting that as surfers, we think we're like these anti-establishment free thinkers. We're the most conservative assholes ever. Like we really are. And we really, Joel's referring to Skip Fry's egg, right? And he's like, it's gotta be called an egg, right? Is that in my, yeah. And, and there's, we could go on for a long time. I've written an article about I know this you have. And, and we can talk about an egg and an egg is a very specific design. And doesn't it have to do with the rail? I was under the assumption that skips like, yeah, my, my, my round board rail is like an egg. It's not even actually the outline, the plane shape no, of no, the board. It's, it's both. Oh, is it? It's, okay. it, no, it is really the outline. And okay. the, the quick version is the egg came when skip started cutting down his board. And when boards were changing really fast, he was seeing, what's going on in Australia. You can kind of tell from movies like what's Wayne Lynch doing. And he just cut down his board and it was a, those GNS skip fry V bottoms like that. Yeah. The, I got to try one in the surfer magazine project recently. So he took that and just rounded off the tail and it, an egg was a big thing, especially in San Diego, the GNS crew, La Jolla shores like that was, but a was big the thing. term egg penned by skip fry. Where did this term come from? Do you it, I believe it might have actually come from Steve Siebel hmm. from what Hank Warner explained. Okay. Um, and there was a lot of crossover with Steve Siebel and Skip. Yes. You know, and I think it's a little blurry. Mm-hmm. The, the actual design, like what actually was happening, like I think Skip really gets credit for it. Yeah. And they had a board called the Fried Egg. Right. Uh, okay. Okay. Maybe that's where it comes and from. And it just, it became this category of boards, you know, and then. What was the Fried Egg like? Was it? 
similar outline, like just an egg, like a round board, like a mid Yeah, you know, like the Takayama egg that was around forever? Yeah. Like, okay. So it like was. Like that. It okay. looked like that, but bigger and longer. And when we put this board out with Channel Islands, it, it looks to me more of like what we would have called a speed egg or a hybrid. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Gary Hannell, Bill Menard, yeah. uh, even like. Rusty Prezendorfer. Well, Trace, I would say Tracy Richmond, dude. old Chan and Diffendorfer days, he would ride boards like this. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're looking at a board. That, that's nothing new to us. But what, what's new or what's interesting at Channel Islands is Channel Islands has always done mid, mid-sized boards. But this shape in particular um, really stands out because I think it's a culmination of some old outlines that Al had, his old logo, brought with a modern rail and modern bottom and just a bit of timing. I mean, look at where we're at with surfing. Torin Martin's a big deal. Like if you look at Stab's reader poll, 6,000 people, Torin Martin is in the top 10 surfers that those 6,000 readers said, who's your top three surfers? That's a pretty big statement. Where's Jonathan Wayne Freeman in that list? He should be above <laughs> Torin Martin. That guy is an influencer. And I'm not kidding. I, we laugh when we say that, but I think Jonathan Wayne Freeman has a ton of power. He does. In a good way. He I does. love that guy. He does. Yeah. But he, you're right. So well, here's what's interesting to me when you say that this design has sort of like got legs and it's it's very popular. I my, The first thing that I think of is, are we all getting older? Like, is the demographic that's in the water 40 years old? Are there as many 15-year-old, 14-year-old kids ripping around on little trifins as there used to be? These are questions that I'm not sure we know the answer to. I don't know. I mean, there is a massive aging demographic, which this board, for anyone who's a longtime Channel Islands uh, customer, you know, there's, as they get in their 40s and 50s, yeah, they still want to catch waves. They still want to be able to rip and turn and not go to a longboard, not go to a log, not go to a wave storm with a giant thick rail. And, And the success of this board is... I think it's the testimonials of people, honestly. I bump into people everywhere, and they paddle up. This is the best board I've ever had. And that's a cool thing to hear. And I don't know. It's, it's just there's nothing extreme about it. And, and I, I'd love for you to try one. I'd love for you to jump on one. And I, I, I think what happens is people get on it, and there's not a lot to figure out. You're like, wow, this feels kind of familiar. The, the rail is like a shortboard Merrick rail, but the rocker's kind of low. But it's got a little bit of that lift from the double barrel concave, but it's a little bit wider, you know. So it's this beautiful like, for you, yeah. someone who surfs like you. You're like, oh yeah, I get it totally. And yeah. I think for people who never rode one, they've been afraid. They see him, they go, "That's a kook board." Like that's I'm giving up. It's just as bad as when people would go to a longboard. You know, back in the 80s and 90s, surrendering was going to a longboard. Well, now surrendering surrendering is going to a mid length or any whatever you call those boards and that, right. that mid-sized board. I like round board. I've always liked round board as the phrase that we put on this type of design. It's a round board. That's what we called them in Del Mar in the day. It was like, oh, yeah, I'm riding my round board. What about fun board? That was the – the yeah. fun board was the derogatory remark. That was – because I worked in retail in the early to mid-'90s, and we called them fun boards. We made a bunch of them, Jim Ellington's. Mm-hmm. and yeah. It was based off of the Phil Becker design, which was – I think Phil Becker came up with a fun board, honestly. Wow. It was that seven-foot board. It had a shortboard tail, a glass-on trifin, and a lot of rocker. Mm. And it was so that a kook could catch a wave 
and not pearl. And the, in the South Bay, the waves are closed out. And so yeah. you get all that extra rocker and they can get to their feet and just go straight to shore. Yeah. And then you'd see someone coming a mile away and you'd be like, oh, God, here comes some kooks. Those are fun boards. Horrible. Right. And Isn't so, that interesting? The phrase, <laughs> the phrase that we use is fun and it makes us cringe or it makes I, some people cringe. I know. And the, the, the term – so back to the term mid-length, why is that an issue? For, I mean, first of all, I don't honestly really care about the name. I think yeah. it's just a name. But mid-length, it, all it is, it's a way for really surf shops to categorize things. A customer walks in. You're looking at the whole floor. It's like, okay, we have long boards and we have short boards. Well, what are these things in the middle? They just call them mid-lengths. And I think if anyone <laughs> overthinks the term, it's pretty funny to me. But but I get all these questions about it. And so, like, you know, egg is just a specific design. And I think you can pare it down to, like, well, what fits into an egg? But then I just ask the question, does it really matter? Yeah. I don't know that it does. No, it does. <laughs> and and it's, it's fascinating that we would walk into a shop and go, here's the short boards, here's the long boards, and there's this thing in the middle. We can't say it's fun, so we're going to call them whatever. And you can't say it's a mid-length because that's right. bad. Wow. Well, <laughs> they look like beautiful mid-lengths to me. And, um, and I'm stoked that it's gone so good. I'll give you a, a quick anecdote. A friend of mine goes, hey, he's like 63 and he's a dear friend of mine, and he's like, hey, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm riding a 610 twin fin right now, you know, and he's like, I need a board like that, blah, blah, and I'm like, you know what you need to do? You need to get one of those boards Devin's making over at CI, and we, I kind of got him dialed in, and he got one, and he loves it, and he's stoked on it, and I'm jealous that he has it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool to hear. It's, I think the learning curve, um, it, it, it's not a steep one. You know, people see the fins and they're, you know, it's a two plus one, which have been around forever, mostly on high performance longboards. It translates really well to that board because you can get a single fin and the single fins are groovy and they're fun. And I know you ride them and I've, we've got one here. We're looking out in the corner, but they just don't have that extra gear. Most of them don't, you know, and when you really want to like kick it up another gear or two, especially when the waves get a little more critical or a little better, and you're not of the ability or the desire to ride a shortboard, that's where this board comes into play. Yeah. It, it screams down the line. And then when you want to do a direction change, it goes where you, you want to go. You're like, okay, I'm down here at the bottom. I want to go up there. And it, boom, gets you right there. And I think that ability to have that speed sort of, it's just like a boost of, of speed, you yeah. know, and you lean into it. And for people who've ridden boards like this, that's no surprise. I think, again, why it's working well is people have been scared to ride mid-lengths because they're all about going straight and cruising. But I, I, I say that's not the case. It doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. Well, a couple of things. First of all, 99% of us are just doing bottom turns anyway. Like, we're lucky if we're just doing a bottom turn. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, even though in our head we're like, we want to rip. I think most of us, if we were honest with ourselves, if you watched video of yourself surfing and you're between 35 and 70, you're probably just doing a bottom turn. It's called nine o'clock surfing because you're not going ever going 12. It's all about nine. <laughs> it might even be eight o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it works. So, um, yeah, thanks for that. It's, it is going well, and uh, there's, a, there's a lot more. And what's cool about Channel Islands is Al Merrick has a – a cabinet in the back here. He's obviously retired. He's in yeah. his mid seventies, but he has this just crazy amount of templates that we have access to. And we just pull them out and we look at his old catalogs 
And so that's what the outline of the board came from. We, it's exactly from the Huevo Caliente, which is something he made. We just put modern rail, modern bottom. And then this one. What was the board called? It was called uh, the, the Huevo Caliente. Hot Huevo egg. Caliente. Yeah. Okay. Hot, hot egg. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. And so. Um, you just spiced it up. We just spiced more. it up. And yeah. there's another couple boards in there, like Michael Peterson looking things that we're coming out with one in May. And, um, I mean, it's just sort of endless of what we get to work with. And then the other cool thing, too, is all the boards from the 80s, like the Willie Morris kind of designs and the Tom Curran stuff. I mean, it's it's kind of endless. That's what's cool, I think, for me, for being here, you know, and just joining in. There's 50 years of history here, you know. Yeah. And and going back and, and being able to revisit that stuff but but blend it with what's been learned, I think that's what's interesting to people. Yeah. Well, a couple things. Um, I'm currently riding a 610 round board that's a twin fin. That's a torn Martin board, for lack of a better phrase, right? And that seems to also be a design that I believe, just based on what I see on the beach and in the water and here in the lineups, is that that seems to be a design that's sort of design du jour, if you will, right now. Is that something that you guys are... Are toying with it all a twin fin mid length? Yeah, we have it. Um, that one can be made as a twin, and I have a new twin that's um, at home with a kind of a wider tail on it. And when we were coming out with this board, there were people saying, "Well, why don't you come out with a twin fin version?" And I said, "Well, that Torn Martin, that crew has it on lock. If we come out with that right now, it looks like we're just copying them." Yeah. To be really honest. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But. I am a hundred percent certain that this two plus one is dialed because I've spent two decades on it. I know exactly the fin size, the ratio, and that is proof in the pudding is that all the people that jump on it are like, wow, the best board ever. So yeah. I think it was smart to do that. And now it's like, okay, now we have permission to develop a twin fin. That's our own, you know, right. like we have one, two in the works that they don't have channels. They have a completely different bottom. And we're revisiting Al's triplane hole bottom, which okay. was something that, um, was around in the late seventies and it has its origins with, uh, Greeno and wilderness. Mm-hmm. Those folks would come to Al and say, Hey, I want to get a Greeno. Edge I was board. just talking to Bob Duncan back yeah. an hour ago, looking at or, the bottoms of his boards. Right. Yeah. And so I want to, I want to get a Bob, you know, I want to, and he'll be like, well, I don't want to copy their board, but I have an idea, you know, classic Al he'll, he, he would see a way to improve something. You yeah. know, and I think everyone knows that story with the thruster, yeah. you know, and, and where he took that with Tom and Kelly. Yeah. Um, and this triplane hole, you can look on some boards on the wall here in the seventies and eighties, bitch and board. And we're, we're messing around with that bottom again. And I, I don't want to give too much away, but I, it's tripping me out. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Cool. Like there's some really, really cool concepts for twins and for single and what it's doing for the single fin. Um, I'll talk more about it later in a few months, but like, there's another gear that I didn't know you could get out of a single fin. It's pretty cool. Well, I'm excited to see what that's all about. I will say that on a personal note, my feeling with my twin fins are that the ones that are, that ride well for me have a super foiled and thin tail because there's so much room between the two fins and so much area for sort of squirt and even God forbid spinning out, if you will, a super thin tail helps keep the, tail engaged and, and sunk throughout the turn rather than popping out. So that's something that I, myself, I'm working with, with a buddy of mine, you know, just when we tinker around. So 
I think that's great. I yeah. think a lot of boards benefit if you know you put your hand on that rail. The the feedback is everyone's surprised how thin it is, but. For the bottom turn and the cutback to be able to sink the board and push it through a turn, I get the same sensation you do, right? You want to be able to push through it. The really thick boards, and I, uh, you know, I know a number of guys like those thicker rails and thicker boards. For me personally, I did feel they were too much on top of the water, and would be have more of that slidey feel. And you like to push hard, you know. I know how you surf. I think I we're in the similar sort of zone of how we like to push a board, mm-hmm. and. If it's too much on top of the water and that slidey feeling, I think it just throws off the rhythm of the whole ride. I just I, I can't get into it. Yeah, I don't know how to recover from from a drift. You know, right? No, <laughs> I totally get you. I, and I, some of that, I I feel like both of us rode longboards for a long time, so we're used to having rails engaged throughout the turn. You know, like that's part of our DNA, and so we want to continue that. Like this idea of of doing a turn and then popping the rail out. It's like, why did I just waste all the speed I just had? Like, you know, anyway. <laughs> Well, I'm, when is my, which one's mine? Which of these two do I? <laughs> no, I know those well, are your boards. I'm just teasing you. I think we have to make you one. I think you're overdue. I, I'd be excited to get on one. I'm ready to go. Yeah, let's get you a custom one, and you can go uh, surf with John Wayne Freeman, who's on the team. I know. I'm I so jealous. Lot, I think he's on a lot of teams, but when he's here, <laughs> he's really on our team. But then right. I see on his Instagram, I think he's on like seven different teams. That guy's got it going on. <laughs> he's a smooth operator. I know. He's bug of salt. Um, I don't know. What, what else does he have? Some weird sunglasses. Uh, how many different beer sponsors? I'm not sure. I, or is I don't know if he's sponsored by any of them. I think he just likes the stuff and just puts it up. It's you know what it's it's like behind the Wizard of Oz type stuff. Like no one will know. You know what I mean? Yeah, he kind of came out of nowhere. It's been it's been uh, fun to watch. You know, he's a and, great guy. I'm a big fan. Yeah. I've had him on the podcast, and he was a fun interview too. So, well, um, let's see. Where else can we go with this? How about I want to talk about the time that you cut me off at Cardiff a long time ago. Remember that a couple of years ago? That one beautiful day. I wrote a whole story about this. Oh, you <laughs> so mean let me you mean ref- you mean where you were in front of me? Right. Are, are, let you're, me. Ref- you're, you're- this is going to be good because I'm going to set my version of it, and then I want to hear your <laughs> version of it. Okay, so. Here's what I think happened. It was a it was an insane day, right, Devin? It was like it was, it was good. It was about as good. Maybe as not gets. the best ever, but about as good as it gets. Yeah, it was pretty, like pretty damn good. Five to eight feet straight offshore. Offshore all day. Offshore all day. Frothing tide dropping. Healing to the chart house. Healing tubes. We were getting barrels. It was so good. And um, as I recall, you had just paddled out. I had already been surfing, and. You were frothing like you always are, you know, like between you and me, people must just go, oh shit, I got to deal with these two guys. So you were frothing and I caught like a little mid insider, not like a full set wave and you took off on me and I don't know if I caught up to you, but I think you looked back, but I think I just gave up on the wave and then we paddled back out and in my mind, I'm going, fuck that guy, man. (laughs) I got to get him back. I actually wasn't thinking that, but I'm like, okay, that is in the back of my mind, right? Just like you would be, like, that's in the back of my mind. And a killer wave came right to you. And it was like the wave of the day. It was a really good wave. I have it on video. Why don't you take, why don't you take it from here? <laughs> well, I, I don't remember the details maybe as well as you do, but I, I think I thought you'd been out for hours and you'd had your time. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. <laughs> okay, let's just stop right there. Let's just stop right there. 
I want to know where you get the moral authority to make that judgment. Like, do you do that with everybody that's in the lineup, no, or is I'm it just, just me that one time? No, I'm just hamming. No, I'm just hamming it up for the mic here. Good. No, this is great. I, the, I seem to remember that. Do you remember cutting me off? Maybe cutting I, off is the wrong no, phrase. I, I do, you dropped I, in on me, but I think I think I had was. You know, sometimes you see where someone else is in a lineup, in a position, in the rotation, and you think you know what the rotation is. And I, I think I believed you were out of rotation, like it wasn't your turn. Yeah. So that's where I was coming from, and probably from your perspective, you didn't see that. And I think it's one no, of those, no. I think you're right, actually. And I think honestly, it's one of those classic moments of waves are good, two alpha type of people, and we must sound like really awful people on whoever's listening, but. You know, any, anybody that's like really frothing to surf, you're at your local spot, you feel really comfortable. I think it was just a simple thing of um, us not being aware and, and, and misreading whose turn it was. And then I think there was a – when you were in front of me, it, it, it had seemed that it was – I think I was in front of you and it was like such a minor thing. And then, but your wave in front of me, it was like a three times better wave. It just seemed like, from my perspective, I was like, come on, like, this is like, you've no. been out all morning, yeah. but it was fine. I, I, I don't, I, if I remember correctly, I didn't say anything to you. I think I just, I think I just kept it really quiet. Yeah, and you did. In the past, we've had heated words for sure, but yeah. I left, I was like, you know, I'm just going to not say anything. And then like months later, it was like in some article and I'm like, what the fuck, Scott? <laughs> I thought that I apologized to you though. I thought I called you or we saw you, I saw you on the beach and I was like, dude, I'm so did. sorry. I was being a dick. Because in reality, from my vantage, the wave, the first wave that I caught that you dropped in on me on, it wasn't my turn. Now it wasn't a set wave, but I was in frothy catch anything that comes my way mode, and so I wasn't. You know, selfishly, I don't even. I wasn't even thinking like whose turn it is it in the lineup. I'm just like. I'm going, you know what yeah. I mean? And that's not right. That's just yeah. simply not right. And then when I cut you off, um, first of all, as I recall, because it was offshore, I was digging hard and I know you were digging hard and there was probably six other guys digging hard. Yeah. It's hard to see. And, um, I'm not trying to rationalize this at all because there's no doubt that funny. I was the guilty party. I think it's funny. No, I know. I'm, I'm totally over it. I know you are too. That's why we're discussing it. I like to break it down from like – because psychologically it's interesting like where we were coming from. You know it's just I mean? a cat and mouse thing. Yeah. I just think it was like we, we've we all been there and the honest truth is is there was plenty of room. Like yeah. you were in front of me and like I didn't – I think the only time it's dangerous like – I know one time I had a big issue with another Cardiff guy, uh, Mike Emerson, who we know really well. Yes. And I only had an issue with him one time because he dropped in, but I was like getting pitted, like as pitted as you can get at that place. Yeah. And it was, I saw his red board like airdropping in front of me and I had to dive off the board because he wasn't making the drop, you know? And I think if you're, if you're on the wave with someone, you know, you know, and it's not happening all day, every day. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. It's just, I think there's just that rule. Like don't, don't airdrop into a barrel on somebody. That's well, where I draw the line. You're being kind. I mean, real, really, um, I owe you an apology and I have apologized to you in the past. And, well, thank you. um, and at the end of the day, that way that you caught where I was in front of you, 
It's nice of you to say that there was room, but really, you should have had that one. That was like your first real wave. You know what I mean? <laughs> and yeah. I'd already watched, you know, you got like 20 already, so. Yeah. That's cool. That day was fun. <laughs> but guess what? I was on a round board that day. That's so were right. you. That's right. Yeah. yeah. A fun board, a mid-length, um, right. a speed egg. What else right. could, what else could Actually, we call it? Yeah, a what disc? Was, well, that one's called something like a speed egg or something. It literally, he, Steve Coletta. You were on the Serena model, I thought. Oh, was I? Okay. I thought you were on the Serena, Andrew. Okay, yeah, I was. I think okay. you were. Yeah. It's like an eight-footer, maybe? Yeah, it's an eight-footer, yeah. Yeah. And I... One time you let me try an Andrini, I think it was that 11-footer. Yeah. The, what was it, gliders. the 2-20 to 20 model or something? Yeah, the 2-20 to 20 model. That was a lot of fun. I mean, what? it's got a lot of rocker. It's yeah. kind of trippy. Like, it's got more rocker than a Josh Hall or Skip Fry. Yeah. But it had a really neat vibe to it. Like, you could really push it around pretty hard. Yeah. You know, that, that rocker makes a lot of sense. And I'd love to try something like that. Um in big waves where there's no crowd because I wouldn't want to bum everybody out. But gosh, well, uh, double that, or triple overhead on that? That board at Max and Cardiff is super fun, believe it Have or not. Have you gone yeah. on pretty big waves on it? Yeah. Like, like I mean, pretty, as big as Cardiff As, as good as Cardiff. Eight foot, you know, eight foot wave at Cardiff. And uh, did you pull into any – did you get covered yeah. up? Yeah. That's so cool. You know, little top tubes like Cardiff, you know, nothing. Did anyone yell at you like, get that board out of here? No. I, the thing is, and you can – relate to this is that it seems like the bigger the board I ride, the more aloha flows from my being. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just like, oh, you know what? I can catch any wave I want. You go. You know what I mean? Yeah. With, that's the, uh, with great power comes great responsibility. Ah, exactly. <laughs> well, you spoke of crowds. We spoke of crowds. Um, what do you make of this? I know, I'm, I'm assuming that up here, the crowd has doubled or tripled or whatever it has oh, done yeah. just like it has down in san diego so absolutely that is the case here then oh yeah i mean the i'm pretty new to the area my wife's from ventura and uh i was imported against my will um because i just love san diego so much you know and have that spot next to the boil i'm second to you because you're my elder and i respect my elders <laughs> wow. but i but i you know i know i'm next in line after you go and uh and Joe Tudor, and Joel Tudor, and Josh Tudor, all those people. But it's you a, know why I go on everyone. There's just too many of them. <laughs> and there's <laughs> wait till you get re- deal with uh, Wyatt Tudor. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> uh, they're nice kids. Um, but you know, L.A. is just had was so locked down so hard during COVID. I mean, pretty radical. And parts of the 805, um, let's just call it that, were. Um, more open and, you know, people are, they're humans and they, they got to get out and recreate, found out about it. So it's kind of like a nesting thing, you know, and a lot of people were pushed sort of into the area that wouldn't normally have ventured that far. They got a taste of it and then they're like, well, well, maybe it's not so bad driving 90 minutes to the waves or two hours. And a lot of those people have just come back and come back and come back. And I, I know it's been tough from, you know, I'm just, like I'm not from here, so I'm not going to speak from a local's point of view. But just what I hear, yeah. it's 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 bum. It's a bummer for a lot of people. It, it was a lot of change quickly. You yeah. know, it wasn't like San Diego, right? Like where we've been our, our whole lives. It was the slow. I, I would call it kind of a slow and steady. It wasn't like overnight. All you know, maybe Blue Crush or something did something overnight. But outside of Gidget and Blue Crush, it was a general you know slow progression. That was pretty radical. You yeah. know, and it was never like that. And so all these no-namer spots 
have heads all over it. And it's like, wow. Okay. Like, what does this mean? You know, what does that mean? when, When people talk about things go back to normal or the new normal or whatever you want to call it, like, what does that look like? I, and, and we try to rationalize and, and wonder what brought us to where we are. But the fact is a lot of these people um, are not going back to what they did before, which was work out at the gym, take their kids to Little League and soccer or church and all these things that have all been totally shut down. So even when those things back open back up, how many people are going to go back to that? We, we don't know yet. You know, I think once you've had the taste of how good a surfing – I mean, I, you and I never went back to anything else, right? Yeah, like, right. We're, exactly. we're here. Exactly. And they're feeling what you and I feel every day. Exactly. After 40 plus years of doing this. Yeah. So I don't know what that means. I, you could be, there's a lot of negative aspects of it, I suppose, from a selfish standpoint. Right. Like, oh, exactly. shit, there's more and, competition. And, and you and I both, uh, you know, there, certainly somebody could be typing out an email right now going, you guys are hypocrites. And they'd be perhaps correct in some regard. Correct. I mean, yeah. I, I promote surfing for a living, you know, like it's yeah. what I do. And, and you sell surfboards and, and you're a market, you know, like, so, you know, we're not coming at it like, please don't do this because no. who am I to say that? I mean, you know, I want the same joy that, that wells up in my heart from being in the ocean. Everyone should get that. I think the world would be a better place. Yeah. I think we're just acknowledging change. I mean, we have eyeballs. It's okay to acknowledge what's happening. Yeah. It's not like you're going to pretend like, everything's the same. Nothing's changed. You know, I think it's, well, what now, you know? And so you and I are, are, are what we would call good surfers and we will find a way we will still get waves. I do worry a little bit about someone like my wife who's, you know, she's an okay surfer. She can catch the wave and kind of do her thing, but she's not an ag- aggressive enough to where when there's 25 more people at the peak, how do people like her deal with it? And I, I'm seeing some of them not being as excited to go surfing and they're being replaced by other people. So like these people that are part of a community are sort of going and pulling back and disappearing and trying to go to like new pastures. Mm-hmm. So it's a bummer. You lose some of those familiar faces cause they're just not into it. Yeah. And then you get a whole new crew of people who, you know, they've sort of bypassed a lot of different things to get there. And now it's like, Oh man, there's, there's sort of people everywhere and, I don't want to be the police. I don't want to tell people what to do, but it yeah. creates these new set of challenges. And we, we could go on forever and easily sound crusty. And I, I don't want to come off that way, but I, it's, it, this is something we're going to have to contemplate and think about, you yeah. know, like how are we going to deal with it? You know, yeah. we smile. Is it the Aloha thing? Do you try to educate everybody? I think those two things are great things to, to incorporate. I, I look at it like a couple things. I should surf with dignity and that that's a heavy word and it means a lot of things. But if I just am dignified when I'm in the water, it's going to be better for everyone. And then the second way I look at it is like, what would Duke Hanamoku do? You know, how would he deal with this? And I'm assuming that he would bring a lot of love slash aloha to the equation. I think so. I, I, before COVID happened, I was already going there naturally. You know, I think, in my thirties, I was not as happy of a person. Uh, I just had stuff going on in my personal life that wasn't, um, being sorted out. And that's my own fault. That's nobody's fault, but my own. And I was, I was made aware that I looked like a bit of a, a jerk, you know, the way my expressions were on my face or the way I behaved. And so I was already and since I've with my wife and just, I'm in generally happier. 
Yeah. I've, I've made a lot of choices that have changed that path. Yeah. And I'm bringing that more to the water. So I think I'm already honestly not, you know, I'm just already prepared mentally to sort of deal with what's going on. Yeah. I personally am, am dealing with it. Okay. I was just sharing that there's a lot of people who aren't, Yeah, I, I feel bad for them, you know, cause it's like deeply affecting them. Yeah. But yeah, the best thing you can do is, um, <laughs> be really good at turning around obstacles and, I've, you know, peop, I've got a lot more dings on my boards in the last year than I've ever gotten, but, yeah. um, I still am getting a lot of waves and I just try to, something happens. I turn around them and are you okay? I'm okay. You know, like, I, I don't know. What are you going to do? Like yeah. not, are you going to stop surfing or get in fights? Like, no, I don't think so. No, but I have, you know, what it has done. It has made me a believer of wave pools. I was pretty anti wave pool, dude. Like yeah. for a long time. I'm like, this is horrible wave pools no and um you know i'm a bit spoiled i'm lucky that i've i've been to the slater you know the surf ranch twice now yeah and gotten pretty good waves and i'm like okay (laughs) pretty good this is super (laughs) definitely like the one percenter elitist thing full on like it fully is yeah however if we could if, if we could if this was and gosh, there's so many issues. Like anyone who loves the planet and all that, it uses a lot of energy. There's a lot of really bad things. But just just on the surface level, selfish, catching waves, that whole thing, not having to jockey or hassle or like look around like, where's Bassie so I can see if I can go or not. <laughs> <laughs> and not having to have that, it's pretty damn cool. Do you think that that will transfer or over to these to the lineups in the ocean if, if people have enough experience in these wave pools and they're like oh yeah you just everyone should take a get in line everyone should take a turn do you anticipate that that might find its way to the surf i, don't think, I guess not i don't think so <laughs> i don't know i mean if you can afford to go to the wave pools often i mean i know when i got back from the surf ranch so i mean it happened there wasn't any surf for a while but i wasn't like dying to go back i was like it was pretty satiated i was like wow Oh yeah, I mean the waves were—they're per- perfect. No, it's insane. Know? So I don't know which don't, other wave pools have you surfed. That's it. Okay. I don't, yeah, I can't. Oh, I've long time ago I did uh, Typhoon Lagoon, the <laughs> one in Florida. Okay, yeah, that one's actually kind of okay. It's not that bad. No, I. You know what? I've I would I was interviewed on Wave Pool Ma- Wave Pool Magazine podcast the other day, and I was talking about how exciting it was to surf Typhoon Lagoon. It's a peak. You're like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> I know. I mean, I thought it was pretty cool. And the water, the water's really clear, you know, warm. and it, it's warm and, you know, you, you're, you're at the happiest place on earth. Yeah. You know? so. Just catch a wave, get a burger on the way back to the line. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I don't know if it's going to translate to that. I, you know what I, I would love to see is like, who, who's the biggest platform, you know, is, is like. In some ways, the WSL, and you could argue that it's not. I know Chaz at Beach Grit, and those guys have numbers to say that it's not, and not that much traffic on the website. But at least on the social media, it is. I would love to see the WSL take the role of helping nurture the new people in this situation. You know, Because I can't manage it, and nor should I. You can't. And, and anybody else who's been there a long time... Um, you know, they're part of a longstanding culture. There's a huge cultural shift right now with all the new folks. And this isn't a hate thing. This is just like, okay, this is happening. How the heck do these people learn about cultural norms? Because it is like a unintentional culture war. You know, you've got 
the people our age and older going, God, this sucks, and all these newbies and all these kooks, and go back to L.A. and all the stuff that we all, everyone says. I, I don't say that, but I hear it all over the place, right? Yeah. Go home. You know, yeah. there's stickers I see like, you know, go away L.A., like all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and years ago, you know, you worked at Surfer and I worked at Longboard. I had heard someone say, you know, it'd be really nice as if the magazines, which are completely exploiting and selling out the sport and making it more crowded, Surfline included, and all of them, all you media guys, take some freaking responsibility and teach these people about the cultural norms. And if you think about it, no one did. You go open those magazines, and it, it, it's almost assumed that if we talked about Well, they the were enthusiast-based magazines. They weren't aspirational. So it was like – right. Right, and it would have seemed kind of kooky to do that. As someone who was on editorial staff, I would have been like, "What do we? You know, am I going to teach everyone? Like, no, nah, we're not going to waste our time with that. The advertisers won't care about that, but you, they should, you know." And so, here we are, 2021. Maybe it's time, you know, for like a Chris Cote or whoever it is on the WSL. Like, I'm not saying it should be Chris, but someone with a voice. They can just kind of like keep reiterating, like literally weekly. Maybe this is a bad idea. No, but, but it's not a bad like, idea, dude. What, what, you know who does it? Who? David Lee Scales and Scott Bass on the Spit Podcast. It's called Kook University, and we try to extol some of the things that you and I are speaking of. So, how does a little the w, How does the WSL pick, pick up and? Um, well, I'm not sure. I share the Kook University, or, or you guys are the backbone, or you write it, but have like some. No, we don't want to take young, for fresh it. kid, like a like a Hunter Jones or somebody like who surfed pretty good, but is kind of upbeat, you know, yeah. and can get people excited about it. That's the thing is not like lectured at. Yeah, it cannot be pontification. It right. has to be, and and in fact, that's the case um, if it's just you know us in the water, and there's you cannot go up to somebody and go, hey man. You got to go up to him and go, "Hey, my name's Scott. What's your name?" You know, it's got to be that like gentle kid gloves, or people will immediately go and get into a defensive posture about it. Even if it's something as simple as, you know, maybe don't bail your board in front of me or whatever it is. But what I'm going to suggest to you is that while I think the WSL would be a good one to do it, I think you nailed it when you you mentioned Surfline, the WSL, Scott and David's podcast, Beach um, David and Chaz's podcast, like. Everyone really needs to at this point. We all need to take it up. It can't just be one person. Sure. We all, and of course, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen because it's just not going to happen because nobody's going to get everyone together in the same room and go, "Hey, I got an idea. Let me run it up the flagpole. Let's all teach people." Yeah, I mean, it's uh, like um, this might be a horrible example. I may regret saying this. But Don't like, say it. But if like you're regret mo- it. mothers against drunk driving. You okay. know, like it's not the same thing. But there was. There's like this education, like this massive push by right. society, like everyone's against smoking, um, whatever it is. And right. I know someone's going to be like, dude, you've got to be kidding me. This is just like a – these are not like health hazards, but they kind of are. <laughs> like who, who, who listening now doesn't have at least one scar on their body from someone else? Yeah. I bet, I bet just about everyone's been hit by a board. Yeah. You know? And like maybe uh, – Terry Sims with his new helmet and uh, gaff helmets and all these guys get involved. And it's like, I I don't want, I'm not too worried about safety. You know, like I don't, I don't need a safe space. I'm okay with the dangers of surfing. In fact, I love it. Uh, Yeah. I don't want to take that away. Catching your waves. 
Is it a resource thing? And it's okay if it no, is. No, no, I, I, I don't know. I don't have the answer. I, it, it, it is a resource. What's the thing, number one thing that I, upsets I you about I the crowd? I think it's uh, disrupting uh, the culture. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? Like, how yeah. is it going to play out? We don't yeah. know, you know. Yeah, sure. Because, uh, there, like, I could go devil's advocate and go, you know what? It, it is what it is. That the beautiful thing about surfing is that there are no rules. You know, and I know you Correct. would go, yeah, right. Scott. I, you know I what I mean? That. Like, yeah, I do too. Everyone does. Like, I hate it when, like, if you go down the street here and see that sign that tells you how to do it. Yeah. You know, like to me, that's like burn the sign. You know, like there's a there's a certain sort of like anti vibe. I guess counterculture is what I'm looking for within surfing. That's always been a part of who we are, especially here in California, probably more so than in Hawaii. But what's troubling with that is we, we feel that way, but then we expect you to know the rules. Exactly. So that's the problem. We're in this double edged short of like, fuck the rules. But if you don't know know the rules, fuck you. Exactly. Why surfers are the worst. You fully (laughs) nailed it right there. That is it in a nutshell. It's like, Like, how do we dig out of that? You know, I know Nat Young made those signs up and down the coast, but now there's stickers all over them. No, no, one, no one's going to stop and look at that sign. And I'm not proposing a license. I'm just saying, like, within this daily dose of surf stoke that we get, maybe, and, and maybe it's a terrible idea. I'd love No, you know what's a good idea is in. something that you touched on earlier. I think a great idea is that if you're listening to this podcast, just each and every time you surf, smile and be kind to one of these new people. Yeah. And maybe they will come up to you and go, Hey, by the way, I'm, I'm confused about this. How do I go about that? And now we've opened ourselves up to be a teacher. And maybe it's as simple as that. Like we just start this like one pod at a time, one little seed at a time. We're all going to just go into the surf with less expectations and we're all going to be kind and, and, and let people realize that, um, they we're not confrontational. Sure. Yeah. And, and be, be a reasonable person, you know. I think, that's I think, that's going too far. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> no, I think I think some surfers are quite can be quite unreasonable. Yeah, you know, and when most of the people that come out aren't there to ruin anyone, they're just there to have a good time and just be some level of compassion to that. And you know, Skip Fry had that thing a long time ago. We could maybe bring it back. Hoot a kook. Remember that? Hoot a kook. Hoot a kook. That was an expression that. That's I don't great. remember the origin. Some, you know, gnarly Skip Fry person out there could probably explain where that came Tim from. Tim Kessler would know. <laughs> Kessler would probably know. This is a great thing. Hoot a kook. Hoot <laughs> a kook. This is what I'm talking about. Now yeah. they're stoked. You're smiling. They're smiling. Yeah. And I think that was some sort of um, point of view that Skip had when the crowds were growing really pretty radically in the early 2000s, Blue Crush era. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that was how he sort of saw it. And but it's funny where he skips, what, is he 80 or just about to be 80? And he's actually, I don't want to speak for him, but I've heard through the grapevine, like he's actually thinking of throwing in the towel. Like he's actually like, dude, it's it's finally gotten to a point where like no one, knows, like people don't know who he is. There's all these new people and there's like, you know, banging rails with Skip Fry. And you're just like going, <laughs> oh my God, what are you doing? You know, so... I, I don't know, but maybe I should say, Hey, you know, we should want, someone should reach out to skip. Maybe you, you, no, no. you live closer. Hey, no. hey skip, I don't have a relationship skip. with him. You do. What about who to cook? Should we bring it back? Let's see what he says. Yeah. You need to <laughs> reach out and see, but even if he doesn't reply, I think it's a good thing. I think, I think that if we try it and, and I would urge the listeners to just try it. I think they'd just, they themselves would gain a lot from it. You know what I mean? 
But, you know, the funny thing is, is that I'm the worst. Like the other day, the other day I was in the water and I was talking to somebody and I was about this far away from him. I was about six feet away from him. a friend of mine, Simon. We're eight, Simon. we're eight feet. I just want to make sure. Okay. Yeah. That's upset. Good point. Yeah. Okay. Eight feet. It's the new six feet. We were socially distanced in the, in the lineup and, and we're talking and there's a stand up paddler guy and he's paddling back and forth, jockeying around, waiting for a set to come. Right. And, and it's a small day. It's a two to three foot day. It's just, it's just, we're only out there just to get wet because it's beautiful and sunny out. And this guy's like, kind of like paddling in circles and he paddles right between us, like right between us while we're talking. And he's like slowly paddling in his, his, and I'm like, I said something like, dude, well, I forget exactly what I said. It wasn't bad, but it was like, come on, how about, you know, or what? I forget exactly what I said, but it wasn't horrible. And he's like, oh, and Simon's like, yeah, that guy, you should have said that. You know, like you can't just paddle right between two people that like you've got the whole ocean to paddle around and do circles. Anyway, my point is I felt bad about it. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't have said anything. So I'm in the parking lot and I see him and he's like taking off his gear or whatever and putting his whatever. And I drive up to him and I roll down my window. I went, hey, you know what? I wanted to apologize for what I said to you. Um, you know, and it was lame of me. I, I'm glad you're out having fun and I'm stoked. My name's Scott. He goes, oh, my name's blah, 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 you know. And now we're buddies. Through this confrontation, we've become buddies. And what I've noticed is that most everybody that I'm buddies with in the parking lot, I've had confrontations with, which is how I got to know them. <laughs> Oh, no, Lordy. that's a common story with surfers. It's always because the the person that you, maybe not with this SUP guy, because it sounds like he maybe didn't know what he was doing. But the usually it's it's someone who is looking for the same waves you are, and you guys are kind of hitting the same rhythm, and that's where you start button heads, and it, it always ends up being that way. And yeah, I've, we all have plenty of those stories. Yeah, you we know? do. And um, but I, you know, I. I try to just, I'm no angel. Nobody is. And every, every situation's a little different, but, um, you know, I, I think in an individual basis, you just try to, I'm not going to actually hoot a kook. I'm not going to be like, woo. Yeah. Woo. You know, I won't do that, but I Why think, not? Wait I think a minute. Idea, <laughs> we just said to do I, this, but I think the idea, you have to do this now. No, but the idea, cause you know, I'm pretty quiet and mellow. You are. My, my idea of hoot a kook will be just to like, Hey man, you know, just have like a mellow, just a mellow little chat. Yeah. You know? I had a mellow chat, not with, with a kook, guy, with, with your this, younger with, brother. Oh, Brett. I yeah. was I I was randomly. It was a good day. The waves were pumping at Cardiff, and I see this guy. I didn't even know it was your brother, and he's sitting far outside, and he's waiting for like an hour. He's way out. Like I'm like that guy's not going to catch a wave. There's no way <laughs> waves are breaking even out there. You know, was he like on Dale Dobson's spot. Like, he way was out there. He was on Dale Do- He was on. He was at Dale Dobson's little <laughs> zone there, and he was on a big crag. So I should have known. I should have known it was. Brett Howard, but he finally caught a killer bomb and I paddled up to him and I said, you know what? I want to just give you credit for your patience. That's amazing. You got a great wave. I'm stoked for you. And I still didn't even know it was Brett. You know, he had a hood thing or he had a beard and yeah. I, I just didn't recognize him. And, and he like looked at me kind of weird. He's like, all right, thanks man. You know, like he's kind of like what the hell's Bass doing here, you know? And, um, five minutes later he paddled up to me he goes hey it's it's me brett brett devin's brother like oh man great you know anyway so i had this moment where i was you know going hey that you know who i was hooting a guy not a kook your you know your brother's an incredibly good surfer but that's kind of what we're talking about here right yeah. it's just bring some good mojo 
Yeah. No, it's contagious. And if you go out already hating and, and looking for trouble, like, you know, we, you've paddled out before. You just kind of already know trouble. You're, you know trouble's out I've there. I've already gotten in fights with and, 15 different guys yeah, in the lineup before I've even seen them. It's just, it attracts that energy, you know, and it's like that there's paranoia. And I was just, was it, I don't know. It was Britt Merrick was in maybe with David Lee. It was, I I heard on a podcast recently where he described, described, uh, paranoia versus pronoia. And I'd never heard, I like had to, you know, make sure this was a real word. Is it? It is. Yeah. Pronoia. Pronoia is instead of thinking everyone's out to get you. You know, like, oh, you know, that guy's looking at me or, you know, that kind of stuff. You are looking at things the complete opposite way where the the universe is conspiring to do good things for you. And that's how you paddle out. And then I think it, I think it does work. You know, it's that um, attraction, you know, it attracts good things around you. And if you go out with that and don't let the negative stuff, you're going to have less of those negative interactions. And then when someone does drop in on you, you know, just work it out on an individual basis. Like, Hey, you know, like I know there's like a hundred people out here, but like, at least if we don't do that to each other, that's, you know, one less person we have to worry about. And you do those like individual alliances. Yeah. Kind of, I don't know if you do that, but it just kind of works out better than you go home and you're not thinking about that person. And you know, you don't have to like drive up and apologize. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, so true. Oh man. I don't know. But I, I remember Brad Malekian wrote, our old friend Brad Malekian yeah. wrote an article, and I feel like I've mentioned this before somewhere, but I thought he wrote a really good article about crowds and localism, and and he just sort of pointed out that the good surfers always get waves that don't really get in fights, you know, typically. Yeah. Um, and it's the ones that aren't that great that usually have the confrontations. And... The, unfortunately, the ones that suffer are sort of the mediocre surfers. Yeah, like I was describing earlier with Caitlin, you know, and it's like how do how do we help those people? Because you and I get a lot of waves, and we Caitlin's we, a pretty good surfer, though. Yeah, no, she's, she's just not aggressive. Good. Yeah, she's not aggressive, and um, so I think looking out for those people. And I, as I've gotten older, I definitely do that more. Um, where I look in and. Okay, there's two short borders there. I just had a wave. That'd be pretty lame if I went on this little one as much as I want to. You know but what I'm just realizing? The first time I met Caitlin, she vibed me on the water at Cardiff. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we talk about this before? Oh, we probably I don't have. know if we it have. It was funny. It was funny. I was on a stand-up. She's like, who's this dick on a stand-up catching all these two-foot waves? Yeah, she <laughs> called She called you a cougar i don't know yeah, she did she, something no, she did. pretty she fully she fully laid into me <laughs> yeah. and i was like who is this person <laughs> you guys got into it but yeah uh, it worked out in the no, end it did, of course <laughs> it was it's all good and she's a wonderful woman and i'm stoked you guys are together and you, you yeah. have kids yeah a man. kid a kid well we'd like to have another one if we're lucky yeah Pronoia. She's yeah, got a good pronoia. pronoia, on the pronoia. Yeah. That needs to be a bumper sticker <laughs> or her t-shirt or something. I guess it comes from the Grateful Dead culture, which I was never super into, but Britt was for a little bit there, oh, I cool. guess. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to take the words out of his mouth. but yeah. um, And I think that's sort of in that world, it was sort of like a thing. And if you think about like deadheads, that's pretty spot on. Like they're like really like, yeah, you know, everything is kind of cosmic. And yeah. yeah and if you just think about the good, it's just going to keep conspiring for more good things to come to you. I think 
wasn't there some lady who wrote a book about that? And I think she got accused of being a fraud. It was called the gift or something, or mm, I I think it was know. like the type of book you hear about from Oprah Winfrey. Oh, okay. And she would, she would, um, talk about how you just keep like putting out these positive affirmations. Like I want to be a millionaire, you know, like, right. and people bought millions of these books. Right. Um, but the fact is if you're looking for trouble, you're going to find trouble. It's just that, right. that simple. Yeah. So we're going to hoot a kook or we talk are. or talk to a kook. Yeah. There's a great <laughs> grateful dead documentary that you should see. I'm not a dead guy either, but um, I was fascinated with this documentary. I wanted, I'm not sure who did it, but it's a five parter. It's a long, it might be on Netflix and I forget the name of it, but it's easy if you just Google document, you yeah. know, dead documentary. And yeah. it's really, really good. Like if you really want to understand the dead, cause I, again, I was never a, a big dead guy and still am not, but I found the documentary fascinating cause it filled in a lot of holes for me as far as the, their story. And anyway, if you're listening or Devin, if you get motivated yeah, to watch we'll it, check it, it's pretty good. Okay. A couple real quick things and then I'll let you go. Um, now that you have a kid, where, where, does, where does the idea of a higher power or of a God figure or a universal spirit, where does this fit into the equation with you? Me? Um, well, I don't know. I, I've always been – I think spirituality means a lot of different things. You know, I, I, I'm not a practicing Christian or, 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 or anything along those lines. I was baptized as one by my, my parents. But I've always been to that – that church of the great open sky type of thing because of the, you know, nature connection. But I, I don't know, something really powerful has come over me from like seeing, I was right there at the birth and we did a home birth. I mean, I was like, wow, there. That's gnarly. Yeah. It was the most radical ride ever. And how long did it take? Um, it was an all night sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, in, but, in a, in a bathtub. A, li- a bit in a bathtub and I, you know, yeah. don't want to get too deep into no, the no, birth no, story. Okay. Yeah. No, you know but it's none of my business. But I that, apologize. that was involved. Right. And, uh, yeah. And, but the, uh, everything started making sense, at least from the, the spiritual sense of the connecting with why, why am I here? Yeah. You know, and I felt like I was there to do this with Caitlin and to, to bring this little guy, into the world and the tremendous amount of responsibility that we have for him now. And, you know, you, you start like tearing up over stuff that you never did before. I've noticed that in the last oh, yeah. couple of weeks or month. When was the last time you emoted? Y- y- yeah. Like when? just w- not that long ago. I mean, right. I could watch like a commercial and right. get teary eyed or hear a song and, yeah. it, and it really does change. So I, 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 a new door has been opened that yeah. I didn't know was there. This you know? is great. And I don't know what it means, you know, and, you know, from a organized religion perspective, I've always been a, a, a little bit skeptical, you know, for all the, yeah, they're reasons. selling it. They're not telling it, you know, right. like, that's my thing. But I, I felt something and I don't know what it means, but it's, it's the beginning of something really cool and I'm going to keep going with it. And, um, you know, at, it, at the very least, just like in the general moral sense, just keep, being our, our, our best selves of who we are, be uh, decent and thoughtful and compassionate. You're getting, you're starting to sound like a Christian easy there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, no, that's it, all good, man. You know, but I'm 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 an American raised with Judeo Christian values, whether I like it or not. Yes. That's part of our culture, right? right. Like I, but can't those things ex- you mentioned are, are are across the globe, regardless, absolutely. Like, you know, Hindu, whatever. They're all absolutely love, love, love. Yeah, and so it's been the craziest year. Everyone knows that. We don't need to talk about it. But Rex is our optimism play. So pronoia, pronoia, exactly. Yeah. And when the news and all these little devices are telling you that the world's going to hell in a handbasket, there's a difference between being naive and putting your head in the sand and, and totally buying into it without thinking about what's, what, what's being, what are you being sold and why, why are you waving a flag for that thing? Yeah. Look into it. Yeah. And so I'm, I feel like this grounding and sense of spirituality with this little family unit we're building. I don't, I, it's not even close to fully formed. It's just open that door. And it's, that's, what's pretty cool. It, it, yeah. No one's asking us to believe. Yeah. We're just being asked to have the willingness to believe. Yeah. And that's, and, that's the door that's creeped. Over. Yeah. And I've been using the word, um, blessing more which does seem very christian (laughs) and but i when people talk about him being here i don't have any other words other than miracle and blessing because i look at her and i look at him and i was there i was there there were some pretty scary moments in the birth yeah and he's here and he's healthy yeah and just the whole thing looking at his little hands and his face and what he's going to become like how do you explain that and and look the I'm act- I, oh, am no. actually, I am actually a Christian, but what I'm going to say is Christianity didn't co-op those words. Like those words are yours, Devin, and those yeah. are Caitlin's words. Like yeah, use yeah, them yeah. and embrace them. Yeah, and, they and, I, doesn't I'm mean not, that, yeah. and I'm not ashamed of that or embarrassed or worried, or, or, nor do I want to offend any Christians, but I have not been a deeply religious person. That's okay. But I've been very You're deeply spiritual. But I, the, I feel spiritual and I don't perfect. have any excuses for it. And I think um, what, you know, what always leaves me optimistic and open-minded to me changing my viewpoints through my life is Woody Brown, who, um, if anyone doesn't know who Woody Brown is, he's a, a, you know, one of the, you know, oldest names in surfing, you know, he, um, was a pioneer in surfing really. And he, you know, he, he was into uh, gliders and all that sort of stuff. Well, he's long since passed away and he was not a very, religious man until like his seventies or eighties when he felt that God spoke to him. And I was like, Whoa, that's weird. What a trippy guy. Like, yeah. but it shows that we have the ability to, um, learn and experience things and see the world in different ways at any time, really. And we're not boxed in today. You know, you're a Trump or a Biden person or whatever you think you are. You want to identify yourself with politics Another couple of years down the road, you're going to see life differently. Just as you know, I, I see life differently right now than I did 15 years ago. Yeah, you know, and so that's pretty cool. And the kid, I'm sorry if anyone's falling asleep to this stuff, but the kid pulls all that stuff in perspective. Yeah, like whoa, wow, yeah. okay, what's next? So very excited and optimistic about these feelings I'm having. That's good. Yeah, I'm stoked pretty for cool. You. 
this is going to be insane. Wait till they're like 20. And they're, you know what I mean? It's, it's so cool. Like when, when you're having adult conversations with your kid, it's mind blowing. Yeah. And it's all simple stuff that like people that have already gone through this are like, I'm going to turn this off now. But it's be, fascinating. I'll be so old then. I'll be like, hey, Rex, help dad get a wave. Forty oh, the new 37. <laughs> I need some of that pro noia. <laughs> well, we went into a deep, mystical rabbit hole there that i'm not sure we should have gone to but i'm glad we did i, I think it's fun to that's talk what about happens that when you don't have notes and i asked i'm like what do you but what are we going to talk about you're like i don't know we'll just we'll figure it out yeah i'm not going to tell you we're not going to talk about it before i have no idea but we were going to talk about pro noia <laughs> who knew by the way the, i emoted the other day tears of joy down my face i was watching the kennedy honors on YouTube mm. and they were honoring Led Zeppelin. It's old. It's like 2009 or something. Wow. And, and the girls from heart were playing stairway to heaven as the Led Zeppelin guys were up there with Barack Obama up on the Kennedy center's honors thing. And it was insane. And it was just one of those things where the music and people were honoring somebody else. There was so much joy in the building and the, there was a big choir and it was just this incredible musical venture. And, um, did you I watch the Super Bowl last night? I did. Did you have that same feeling about the halftime show? <laughs> I did not. I was like, this is the, I, I told my wife, I go, I'm officially old because I really don't know who this guy is. Like, I mean, you know, like the Bruno league. Mars. Okay. Yeah. I've heard of Bruno Mars, but I did not know who this gentleman was. His name apparently is the weekend. The weekend. Yeah. I'm going to change my name to vacation days or like Disneyland trip. Like what the hell is the weekend? I don't even get I don't that. Do you think his parents named him that? Or what, sure. Where that came from? I think that it can't be a marketing. Well, the guy, look, the guy could sing, but the show yeah. was bizarre. You it know? was. And, and when he went into the house of mirrors, I didn't, I really didn't watch the game. We had a little get together thing and you know, you, like the game's on, but no one really cared. And it was like, okay, they're creaming the other guys. Like no one's watching anymore. Yeah. You know? And the, the halftime thing came on and everyone looked at the halftime because you never know. It could be good. Yeah. I mean, years ago they had Prince on. That was probably the best one they've ever done. In right. The rain. If anyone recalls that, that was sick. Yeah. But it was like, why is he in a hall of, or a house of mirrors? And, and one of the guy, one of my, my brother-in-law, he's like, that is going to become a meme. And it was like literally hours later, just memes everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> like one of the memes was like uh, a couple close-ups of the guy in the mirror thing and just like, you know, drunk as F, you know, FaceTime <laughs> calling, drunk calling, like all this stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> what? And there's like all these guys with masks, like bumping into them. I'm like, where are we going with this, man? I know. What was and, that? And look, look, the guy could sing. He's got a good yeah. voice. Yeah. And he's definitely got an MJ thing. Yeah. But he's not MJ. No. So this begs the question, who is going to be the next halftime show? Like if it was up to you, if you were the marketing oh. guy for uh, the NFL and you get to put a couple guys on the table to choose, who, who are you bringing to the commissioner to, oh, to be man. the next halftime show act? Oh, man, I would, I would just so age out myself right now. I know. Well, <laughs> how about I'm going to throw one at you. I'm not even fans of these guys, but somebody brought this up. I thought it might be good. Green Day. Green Day. Mm. Would they even do it? They're too punk for that. No, they. that would be bad. Um, I don't know that they would do it. It's got to um, be some pop group, right? That's not kind of too edgy. Yeah. Like, what about the Foo Fighters? I would like, I, I mean, probably wouldn't go over super well, but I would love Radiohead. <laughs> <laughs> You're fired, Devin Howard. <laughs> Radiohead. No, Radiohead, one of the best live acts you'll ever see. Any any Radiohead fans out there are going to be like, mm-hmm. Oh, my God. You sound like a deadhead, but that's a Radiohead guy. <laughs> but I'm not into fish. 
Okay. Is there a com- is there a connection between fish Radiohead like and a, Fish? Fish is no, but Fish oh. is like a bad version of um, the Grateful Dead. Like when the Grateful Dead thing just sort of vanished. Yeah. The fish got like sucked into that vacuum. So all the all the <laughs> you're dead, anti-fish. The, the Deadhead guys had nowhere to go, and gals. Yeah. And then they started following fish. Right. Yeah. Trey Anastasia. <laughs> He's the lead guy. Exactly. Right. I love fish, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think we're through. What else can we talk about? What have I not touched on regarding mm, Channel Island I mean, you didn't ask me about the World Surf League, but oh. maybe you don't care. I don't know. I mean, uh, what, what is there to know? John John's this year's champion. Joel Tudor is this year's we longboard We have a longboard champion. tour. I, I help with that. We do? Well, we we do have a longboard tour. Okay. Uh, well, it was put on pause because of Corona. Yeah. Mem- uh, well, you wouldn't remember because you don't watch that much. But let me just I, get you. I, up. Okay, let yeah. me get you caught up, please. I, I and, watched Joel win. And, and if okay, this so if it. this sucks, you can just edit it out. No, no, the, catch me up. So last uh, February, Joel won Noosa at the ripe old age of forty four. Right, and he got a little taste of victory. He's like, hmm, well, I think I'm going to go for another world title. Couple weeks later, we're in lockdown, and the tour is canceled. We had an event set up at Malibu. We had an event permitted for lower trestles. I'm sure no one's crying about that. But that didn't happen. <laughs> Although the lowers locals said that they did prefer the longboarders being there over the shortboarders because the world, the top 44 surfers in town for a week or two is hell on them. Yeah. The longboarders were so scared to bum everyone out. They didn't really practice out there. So like, this is great. Yeah. Let that permit be for those guys every year. And then the surf ranch. So we ended up doing the surf ranch. Um, you saw it. I think. Oh yeah. I, and I know we, you critiqued it and it yeah. was a commercial and it was, yeah. it sucked and all that. It's I, okay. I get There's it. room for but improvement. Yeah, totally. And uh, those are all accurate critiques, I think. Um, so we're back on for next year for Malibu for the surf ranch and also New York. Um, and New York is, is put in quite a bit of money. You know, cool. that, that place has taken a big hit obviously yeah. with COVID and if the vaccines work out and it looks like everything's kind of trending that way that we won't start until September. So that's a pretty good amount of time yeah. to get everyone up to speed. And I feel confident that we're going to be back on. I do and, too. I've got October lined up for the boardroom show. So I'm feeling like fall, September, October, November, we're we're vaccinated yeah, and we're back. Are, the vaccines are everywhere, and uh, we'll have herd immunity. We'll be good. So, uh, in the meantime, um, we'll just sort of be planning for that, and we're going to stay committed to the thing that you you said was working: the traditional longboard judging format, which I know you you took note of and mentioned, and, yeah. and gave us a little bit of kudos for. Yeah. And um, so we're just going to stay committed and see that through. And the WSL, you know, I, they they take a lot of shit, but yeah. but the Ziff family's still committed. Yeah. That's cool. still there. I can't believe it. I thought after with pipeline and everything happened, I, I just, I was like, man, I wonder if this is that moment where they pull the plug, but they didn't, they're, they're still in and they're still going and they're committed and they're going to get going in Australia. I'm excited for them. And the WSL is, is low hanging fruit. It's so easy to bash on them that it's sort of not, it's sort of stu. It's I, I just don't think it's fair. I, I just think at some point, look, how many times can you, you know, can't we just say something good about them? They do a bunch of good stuff. The pipeline event was a super exciting event. I enjoyed it. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have any in the competition. And, and I think for a, 
decent amount of the population, they'd be okay with that. Yeah. But I do think it'd be a, a big loss for a lot of people because we, and I've said this before, but we use competition as a way to sort of like timestamp our experiences in surfing. You know, yeah. I hear, you know, I listen to your podcast yeah. and you guys reference past performances all the time. All the time. And even like people who are kind of like, you know, consider themselves soul surfers or counterculture people. Some of them have some competitive, you know, accolades. memories. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, you know, even like a David Rostovich, I'm sure he won like a juniors or something, you know, like there's people that yeah. it, it means something to our collective experience. So I, I think it would be sad to see if it did go away because they are losing money. It's not a huge money making venture. Yeah. And if someone doesn't step in and really support it, like it, it goes away. Maybe, and maybe people are cheering that, but I, no, I like tuning in and watching it. I, I want to see what the best surfers are doing. I, you know, I, I, I've never surfed like that, nor would I, but I really follow it closely. I yeah. dig it. And, and especially working in a place like channel islands where there's 20 world titles in the, under this, in this building collectively, yeah. you know, yeah. Lisa Anderson, uh, Slater, Tom Kern, I think Sophia Lonovich, and I'm missing another, per, uh, Adriano. And like that's a big deal here, yeah. and like we we really want to see the tour get going because that's what fires up Britt Merrick, you know. Like yeah. he's like he wants to make the best surfboards for the best surfers, yeah. You know, and he's right now he's mowing foam right now before the tour. Yeah, he's making a ton of boards for Lakey Peterson, for Sage, and yeah. for Connor O'Leary. Um, he's frothing. He's like hell Connor yeah. Connor O'Leary could win a world title. He's insane. Huh? Yeah, he's a yeah. really good surfer. Yeah, he's under the radar a little bit, and. Um, He's he's got what it takes. He is. He just sent Brit a text. There's a new model we have called the Two Happy. There's a Happy model and there's a Two Happy, and there's like explicatives in there. That's like he's like this is the best freaking board I've ever ridden. He's just psyched. And we're just like yeah, you know, like that that energy. That's why I like working here. You know, uh, yeah. like I like that psychs me. I'm, yeah, I, I'm, I feel it right now. I'm like, <laughs> like, that's so cool, man. I, I want to like, see that board. Yeah. I'd like to ride it. Yeah, and like we. You know, it's going to sound kind of cheesy or whatever, but we come to work and we talk about what we want to do and we're looking at board designs and look, I come in from a completely different world, right? Yeah. Like, but they're, they're getting stoked off that. And then I'm getting stoked off building the boards for the best surfers who want to win a world title and being able to share those stories and, and just seeing what goes into making a perfect surfboard. It's mind blowing. The, yeah. the amount of hands that go on that board to get it over to that surfer and he's riding it in the heat. It's crazy. You know, like you, you'll see all the people here that have their masks on that are like laminating and sanding and like, it's fucking, it's freaking cool, dude. We're like putting people are like put to work here in town, you know, like, I don't know. It sounds like a commercial for what I do, but I just really like, I really like it. I mean, you and I, there aren't two guys except there's maybe a few more in this room, but I mean, you and I love surfboards. Surfboards (laughs) are the foundation of our culture. I've always said it, um, surfboards, you know, nobody cares about what you were wearing that day, but they want to know what you were riding. Let me ask you this trick question. Greatest of all time. Who is it? Greatest of all time. Surfer. Uh, Duke Hanamoku. Wrong. <laughs> Tom Curran. Tom Curran is the greatest of all time. And it doesn't uh, even really have to do with what he, how well, beautiful he dances on the wave face. It's just Tom, his whole persona. He's just incredible. Well, yeah. I mean, 
there's we could go so long on that conversation. <laughs> but I mean, as far as the 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 lasting power and the influence of someone, it's George Freeth and Duke, and then it's it's wow, you're it's, you're breaking out the George Freeth. Yeah, I mean George Freeth. How many a people did he say? Duke, you know, like in, in the earliest sense, you know, like he broke. He's the one that broke the ice and brought. He's the one who brought Duke into the fold. Duke was doing his thing, but I think he. I think George gets overlooked a little bit. Not a big deal. Like it's 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 fine. Like the way it yeah. worked out, I think it's. You're important. gonna piss some people off. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, George is Hawaiian, so George he saved a bunch of guys off the Huntington Beach Pier. Yeah, and 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 he was doing the surf, um, you know, Lessons. exhibitions and stuff yeah. before before Duke. That's not taking away from Duke. I'm just saying. Yeah. He kind of gets left out of the story a little bit. So no. George Freeth is the goat. I'm going to use this on my next <laughs> spit podcast. I'm going to blow David Lee Scales' mind with this. But Tom Kern, how about Free Scrubber? Did you watch that? Best movie ever. How cool is that? The guy's so great. He's so great. So that um, – And I, not even the surf. The surfing was – I love watching Tom surf. But the latest edit from Tom here down the street here at Rincon was as good or better as far as the surfing. But just Tom being Tom is what's so mesmerizing Yeah, to me. No, and he's he's fired up. He he's work. He comes in here. He works with Brit. The the both those boards in there were shaped by Brit. You can't tell. Like people are like, oh, those are skim boards. No, they're they're both boards that Brit is worked on. And it's based. One of the boards is based off of a twin fin that Tom had in like '81 that Al shaped him. Best twin fin he's ever had. They're recreating it off memory. It's pretty cool. Like, Try playing Hall, dude. Tom's memory is phenomenal because i i eavesdropped a little bit just mm-hmm. on them going back and forth yeah and the ability for him to recall details of the boards he's had is insane that's savant, it's like savant level it, stuff. it really is that's like cool. i was blown away i'm like people need to like hear what's going on right now because this is crazy and like his understanding of the equipment and the fins and then just look at how precise that surfing was in that how, how old is tom is tom 55 52 or something yeah 55 maybe yeah i don't know Right around there. My, my age. Yeah. And uh, so that that movie has fired up a lot of people, man. Fired like, me up. I a lot of that. people are like, I watched it 10 times. I'm like, why well, And it's it's funny, too. Like, there's little bits of, oh, like, irreverent. Yeah, that's why he's goat. You know? <laughs> that's why he's goat, because there's just Tom. How like, about when he falls on the Alaya and breaks it in half? And, <laughs> oh God, so, and then he slaps himself? That's just, so good. I don't know. Genuine humility. He's, he's phenomenal. He is. But, he's the goat. But... Sorry, I didn't answer that in the way you wanted. But no, you, but, no look, there's but, no right way or wrong. You're right, right, although you know, you're wrong. Although, if you, you have to have a little clarifier, like what is greatest of all time competitively, like culturally, well, that's just it. like it's one of those stupid questions. That's like know? there's, you know, it, it's unanswerable. You know, right? Like, pe- people would say it's Slater if you want to go off world titles, right? Yeah, and I know Tom has three, and Kelly has, but culturally. Culturally, but culturally, Tom has bigger impact. Yes, exactly. I mean, his technique—you know—it was like you look at what came before him. It was—it was like that sort of like Michael Peterson, oh. Rabbit. Like those are the people in Sean, or like yeah, to a point, Sean and Mr. Like those guys were all li- obviously a little bit older than him. And Rabbit being one of his favorite surfers, just is going off what I've heard in interviews. Yeah. And you can see all that in his surfing. And it's like he brought the best of all that stuff to that point in time. And you go back and you look at those search movies. Like, no, no, you, you, go, can't, you can't improve on – how do you improve on that, that style and technique? How do you improve on it? I think 
what I recall is that we were all riding single fins. It was like 1980, 1980. And Jimmy Mateco, is that, how do you say his last name? Jimmy Medico. Jimmy photo- Medico put out some films, yeah. some videos. And it was Tom on a twin fin here, around here, probably at Rincon and maybe some yeah, other it was places. Early eighties. Yep. The level of surfing that was being done, we were all, all of us and our little crew down in where I was from, were like, "Oh my god, this is whole. This, this is like a major it's transcendental. A, it's moment. a leap, total leap, a huge leap." And uh, Tom Kern is the goat, in my opinion. By the way, I love Kelly Slayer. I think he's. Uh, the goat competitively, but when we look at the big sphere of everything, Tom Kern at Jay Bay, Tom Kern at Bow on a Fish, Tom Kern and Free Scrubber f- f- slipping and falling and breaking and lie. I think a lot of people admire the competitive accolades of Kelly and are just blown away and baffled by it, just like you could be from you know the Super Bowl last night and and Tom Brady, like best yeah. of all time. Um, but there might be other charismatic figures out there that just have a bigger impact on the culture. And I think more people would say, I want to surf like Tom Curran yes. than they would Slater. But maybe that's people our age. I think, you maybe. know, maybe, maybe here's below the thing. 35. It's like, I want to surf like Dane Reynolds. Yeah. But know? Kelly Slater in, was influenced by Curran, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So he was the more radical version of him. Right. I beg to differ. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> really? <laughs> Has Tom Kern ever done an aerial? Do you think? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't he do one on a in the search on one of those like fit little weird fish boards he brought out of like one of those New Jersey surf shops? Oh okay. You have to ask a smash surf or one of those guys back east that oh, okay. that knows their shit with the surf films. But I, I think he did it on a bizarre looking early seventies fish. Cool. All right, so he is the goat. He's actually done aerials. Yeah. All right. Well, and he's, shoot. And he's still relevant. In, I, I think, again, the STAB survey, in very interesting uh, statistics here. Yeah. 6,000 STAB readers. So you have to, like, take that for what it is, right? Yeah. They asked, who are your top three surfers? In the, in the very top of that was Dane Reynolds by leaps and bounds. Okay. Um, number six or seven was Michael February. Really? Michael February is insane. And that what it tells me, and you start looking at this, and then Torrin Martin's in there. Kelly Slater was below Torrin Martin, I think. Where was Kern? Kern was like 20. Oh, this is, a, this is wrong. This is an invalid <laughs> calling bullshit. No. no but just it's, it's just, just interesting like, what yeah. is important to the fans and the people. And that, that's just the stab audience. Yeah, the 6,000. How many were Australian? How many were American? We'd like to know that. I think it was almost 50-50 because that's yeah. the biggest, two biggest markets they have. Yeah. But it's just whatever. No, nerd, it is, nerd it's stuff. super good to have. It's great data I, to have. I think if you haven't seen it, I don't know if I'm – I probably could show it to you. You should look at it. I think it's pretty fascinating. It is it, the, tells you where is it the Surfers of the Year thing? It's basically the surfer poll that's kind of replaced that because yeah, it did. that's not happening. And, yeah, and out of the top, I think I taught out of the top 34, half of them were free surfers and half of them were competitive. I want to, I'm going to talk about this on the next bit. I need to look at it. I saw it cause I, I subscribed to the premium staff thing and I saw it, but I never clicked on it, yeah. but I want to check it out. It's like their readers poll. Uh, by the way, the stab thing, I, I just got in on the premium thing. I resisted because yeah. I kept waiting for my free one. I'm like, Hey, like, don't, don't I get a free I one? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, no, you don't I'm get a, a podcaster, free one. but right. Um, I, I have to say it looks pretty clean and pretty good. And, and the new stab in the dark, I've been watching. Um, 
I think is really well done. I like Taj. Dude, that how that is a really good the Here's production of that was pretty good, I the thought. The production's good. Here's my critique if if I can be hypercritical of it. Wow. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. That's what that's what I do. Dude, you're a dick. <laughs> yeah, yes I am. And I love it and I think Taj is great, but I think that they don't give the surfers enough time with each board and I think it's because they have too many shapers. So my thought is you take a hat such as this and you get 30 shapers. And I mean like random randos, like you get like Ryan Sakel and you get Brit and you get Mayhem, but then you get you get another couple more randos like Tim Stamps or whoever. There's a million randos that you could get, guys from Australia. Yeah. And then you throw in a few legend guys, like throw in like Wayne Rich or Terry Sennett or whoever, right? The point is you get 30 guys in a hat. Out of that hat. During the production, you film pulling the six shapers that are going to shape the board. So you you don't just get like JS and DHD and Mayhem and, you know, it's like kind of like it, it just feels like it would be more fun from an end user experience if, if there were some randos in a there. A little bit some, more chance and a little more. I, 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 I mean, could you, you imagine if some, just some shaper kid from wherever happened to get pulled? You know, he's got a legit business, you know, and he's just, like, grinding. And he, his board wins? What you know, that would do and inject I've, to the industry? I think it would be cool. I've, but, I've listened to a lot of your podcasts, and I think you have a lot of harebrained ideas that, this is that, one of that I don't often yeah. think are the best. But I do – I have to say I like your idea because I'm just looking from a story standpoint, you know, mm-hmm. um, because the, the the boards that they have there, they're, they're obviously – a lot of them are expected. They're a lot of the big players, you know. The, yeah. CI, JS, all the people you'd expect to be there, but it would be nice to have a chance, right? And, and for even some of the big names to just get completely hosed and left out of it, that, that would be kind of like, I think you could get pretty engaged on that. Um, yeah. And I do also, to the point of not having enough time, this Stab in the Dark has more time than they have in the past because a lot of times they were putting these out they would usually put it out as like a, you know, kind of just like a one, mo- a one movie one film, and they yeah. would have to just bang through the boards. Yeah. And I, I think this is more enjoyable to take it. I guess it's four chapters maybe. Yeah. So you, you're actually, they're making strides in the right way. Yeah. But I, I, I bet they'd be open to some way to sort of shake it up and, and build a, well, l- a think, little bit of suspense of some kind, you know, yeah. like who, who's it going to be? That could be interesting. I think it would be cool. Ashton and Sam would probably tell you, well, that's why we have the electric Kool-Aid acid test or whatever that thing is, where we kind of get the Brando guys, you know, you get like Tyler Warren's or whoever, you know, to be involved. But I I just think that it would be cool to have a high, you know, to have a high performance surfer like a Taj or a McFanning on some shapes that everyone's interested. I mean, not that we're not interested, but I mean, how many JSs do we got to see? I mean, you know, like I would just like them to mix it up. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, well, I, I agree, and but I, I, I still want to acknowledge, like, I don't work for Stab, and I don't have a reason to, like, pump them up. I was just thinking the other day how decimated the media thing is, totally. right? And I'm like, as a surf fan, the journal's awesome. Like, I have an issue coming in the mail, yep. um, and I'm excited because I did write a piece on just, surf, it just arrived. Surfboard Sanders. I saw it. I just and got mine. I'm like... So I can't wait to read it because I like writing and reading about anything to do with board building. Yeah. Because again, I believe in it culturally. That's why I don't ride a wave storm. You know, not right. because I'm xenophobic. It's because I I really dig the culture and yeah. I dig businesses that 
promote the local board building. Even if you have a global brand, just if your global brand's based here, have the boards made in Australia. Yeah. And then you're employing those people and that money stays in that community. Um, but I'm thinking about media, surfers gone. Surfline is just, I'm sorry, it's horrible as far as like, it has no editorial value. Right. Sorry. Right. Like you're there for the cameras and even the forecasts are not even that great. Like if you're a really good surfer, you're not using them. Yeah. Like there's way better forecasts. Yeah. They're really good with a few spots, but a lot of them they're not. Yeah. So then it's like, okay, stab was there, but it was a bit gossipy. Yeah. And, and they're starting to provide a lot more content and they're realizing we can't keep giving this away for free or we can't do it. Right. So I get it. Like they've got to charge for it. I was the first one to sign up Were for you? these reasons. Yeah. I mean, one of them, I was the day it went, I'm you like, I'm supporting money where your mouth is. That's and I cool. also, I also for the first time in a number of years, did a three year subscription to the surfers journal. Cause I'm like, we need these things yes. because they're the glue that binds this culture. Even if we don't agree and we're not going to always agree. And, and plus I like to have them cause I can talk about them on my podcast and yeah. stuff, but they're, they truly are the glue that binds the culture. You know, like we need, like when we had surfer and longboard and all these magazines and tracks and everything, we kind of knew where we were. Like, you know, it was just like, um, yeah. it was like, you know, there would, it was like a compass Sure. and th- that's lost now. Now it's just like, I don't know what's kook of the day doing on Instagram. Like, is that really yeah. our moral compass? And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. I love kook of the day, but my point is, is that we do need some authentic, um, you know, journalism. We, we just need it. It just needs to be, you can't, it's hard to have a culture without some thought, well yeah. thought out stuff. Well, and the, the journal is so smart. It's that long form and not a lot of people don't want long form, but I appreciate it. now when I see it, it's so much work that goes into it. So they, there is, they balance one another out. You have that immediacy with stab. You're not going to get anything from surfline, just the cameras. If you want to look at the cameras and then that long form sort of stuff. You know, the, the tough part that, that is everything in between that waters it down is all of our friends we follow. You know, like they just put up like another wave of them hanging five or a barrel and like it kind of waters down the, the impact of these really special people. And I yeah. love all my friends I follow, but it's like, oh man, like it's just too much, you yeah. know? So I'm new to the stab thing. I'm, I'm open to like, ha- have you enjoyed it? Has it been I worth have. it so I, far? I have. I'm. I'm optimistic. It's been fun. I've, I've enjoyed, I think the, the content's pretty damn good. You know, it's not like a deep dive, like the journal is going to be, but again, I think it's important. They got me when they said, look, we're going to, if you support us, we're going to get deeper involved in, in surf journalism. You know, wow. we're going to do well written stuff. Great. And, um, I'm, I'm all in and I'm willing to see how it turns out because again, I think we need it. Cool. All right. Well, yeah. We could talk forever. I'm sure people have to get going to, you know, whatever they're doing, whatever they're listening to. It's weird with podcasts. Like, people, you know, you can keep them going for, yeah. for quite a while. Yeah. And uh, how is the podcast business? <laughs> I don't know how the business is, but I do, I do quite a few of them. You know what? I'm doing one next week. Do you remember the kid? His name's Keen. And he was attacked by a great white shark at Beacons during opening day of Lobster Yeah, season. I remember that story. I'm interviewing that kid next week. My gosh! I randomly ran into him somewhere, and I, um, I'm I'm well. I don't want to know. I will, I'll wait to the podcast, but I'm curious if he's okay and how his life's turned out since then. It's pretty you're going to need to listen. I think you'll be surprised. It's pretty fascinating. I don't know the deep story either. I just got sort of the- dude. Speaking of sharks, yesterday, and I'm after we're done with this, I'm going to be in touch with this guy. One of our customers got attacked by a huge shark in Kauai. Gnarly. He, he's okay. He wow. He. 
missed getting bit himself because he was in the prone to sitting position. He was prone, laying down, yeah. sat up, boom, the shark bit the shit, like just bit right into the nose of his board. They guess it's around a 12 to 15 footer. And there's all, I have the photos and everything. Tiger. Tiger, yeah, we're going to replace his board, but thank God he's okay. But we're on Kauai. If I'm, I'm I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I think it was somewhere up north. And, yeah. You know, this came. Someone texted Brit and yeah. like, hey, you know, this guy's okay, but maybe you know, like his board's thrashed. So we're going to yeah. make him a new board. But so crazy. I mean, the I guy's know a guy like, who how- got a hit on at Honolulu Bay, probably thirty years ago. And has never paddled, will never surf Honolulu Bay. Still hasn't surfed out there. Wow. I don't blame him. I mean, that Honolulu Bay, that guy, I mean, they're oh, out there. Yeah, I know. That's right. That too. They're out there. Oh, man. You know, and, and like in the old days, not that long ago, there'd be a shark attack and all the locals would go out in the boats and go kill the sharks. Right. Pretty heavy, you yeah. know? And I, I don't know a whole lot about sharks other than it's not cool to kill them, obviously. Like, we don't, that's not a thing anymore. But. Right. Um, <laughs> that's not a thing. <laughs> At least it's but, not talked about. <laughs> well, but you know, like with just real quick shark stories, we'll get yeah. out of here. Um, met George. This is not a name dropping thing, but met George Greeno. Got to go into his home, look around. Anyone who knows anything about his place, there's shark jaws everywhere. Yeah. So I just started asking questions. I'd heard a little bit and he went on this whole thing about how, the water and his surfing and his, like the experience was way safer 20, 30, 40 years ago. He's like, because we would go and we would kill the sharks. And he's like, because we care about our friends and we care about ourselves. You know, it wow. was just like matter of fact, very you mean just in, like in Australia hey, or out here us, off the us or them, you know, and he out in, in here as well. Right. And, and off our waters of San Diego, why, you know, right. We never heard anything about sharks. Well, dude, they just decimated to those sharks in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. They're gone. Yeah. Can't do that anymore, no. obviously. Yeah. And and so that's changing. And, and people will talk a lot about food and global warming and all these things. But what's never talked about is the fact that we just don't kill them anymore. That's a big factor. Yeah. So I, I don't know what that means, but it's worth acknowledging that <laughs> we don't kill them anymore. We don't kill them. So yeah. more of us are going to die. I don't know what the answer is, but you got to be... You just got to have your wits about you. And if you read the article by George Greeno, we'll end on this. He gives you some tips in a surfer's journal article of how to, uh, you know, avoid a shark attack. So that, that could be uh, the listener's homework to find that. Okay. And I've got one more thing for listeners to listen to <laughs> check out. Go on YouTube and do a search for Wayne Lynch's greatest shark story ever. Mm, it's amazing. Yes. Have you seen that? Yes. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's a good one. He, he, and he told it to us, um, Last year, when he when we were honoring him, he gave us his version up up close and personal. It was super cool, <laughs> mind blowing. All right, well, sweet, okay. sweet dreams, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> Devin, thank you for being on the boardroom podcast. Thanks. It was fun. Until next time. Appreciate it. Like endless rain into a paper cup They slither wildly as they slip away Across the universe Pools of sorrow, waves of joy Are drifting through my opened mind Possessing and caressing me Shagaroo 
of broken light which dance before me like a million eyes they call me on and on across the universe thoughts meander like a restless wind inside a letterbox they tumble blindly as they make their way across the universe Change. 